Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today to do our sermon recap. Uh, We're glad to be doing this. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy it as well. But we started a new sermon series this week in the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Not sure how all of it's going to work together. Uh, Some of it might blend together because I know some of what you see in Timothy is also in Titus. So I don't know if we'll just go straight through all of them or or what. Haven't decided yet. We'll see. Might go backwards even. Could go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Could. Who knows? We'll yeah. find out. <laughs> As it plays out, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but this week was kind of an introduction to uh, 1 Timothy, um, looking at who wrote it, who it was written to, the location of where uh, the people were, uh, stuff like that. And so there is some controversy in those things. Maybe we can uh, talk about it a little bit, but um, I don't see the need, I guess, to do it too much. The pastoral epistles, though, written by Paul, uh, 1 Timothy is written to Timothy, and so we remember the life of, of Paul. Paul's an apostle called out by God. Um, he is commissioned to go to the Gentiles to share the gospel uh, with the Gentile people. He starts churches in many different places. He goes on at least three missionary journeys uh, that take place, uh, and that's what he's doing. He's, he's starting churches, sharing the gospel, going to synagogue, sharing the gospel, getting arrested, uh, getting beaten, getting shipwrecked. Quite the life, really, yeah. <laughs> that Paul had. Um, but this is the author of this letter. Now, and part of one of his missionary journeys, his second missionary journey, he goes to Lystra, where Timothy's family is from. And we know that through that, uh, it seems that Timothy's family comes to know the, the Lord, and Timothy becomes a close confidant of Paul. Uh, where Paul seems to put a lot of trust in Timothy. There's quite an age gap there, but something in Timothy, I, I don't know what um, what it was specifically, but it seems as if Timothy was very faithful to the Word of God, and Paul saw that in him and put trust in him to come with him on different missionary journeys, uh, but also to kind of what would be today seen at times as like interim pastoring in churches, like go to this church, take care of them for a while until some men would come up and then maybe they can have a new pastor and you can move on. Uh, Timothy would do this work, but he also, it seems, was pastor in Ephesus for a while, um, taking care of that church, loving that church. Uh, But his time in Ephesus wasn't uh, easy. It wasn't the easiest place necessarily to be the pastor, not just because of the outside culture, uh, but because of what was taking place on the inside, and that's uh, what we address in this message some, is it seems that the false teachers have come up. In fact, I don't know if we'll talk about it in the next sermon or the next one, probably the, ne- probably the next one, a couple, couple weeks away, but Paul calls some people out. <laughs> He's like, go to these people and talk to them, because I've heard what they're saying, and it isn't right. Um, and so Timothy had a ministry here in Ephesus, not only of having a young church, uh, in a town that is full of sin, but also full of success. Um, so probably was a hard time of telling people like their wretchedness or their need for this gospel. A lot of the people in the town were probably like what we would see around us. Like, I'm good. What are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Look where we live. You know, we got food, we got all this stuff. Um, but from within trouble was coming. And again, we don't know the full situation, but it could have been people who Timothy at one time was close to, they taught well, but they had swerved off the truth. And so it could have been people that Timothy was friends with, who knows, Um, people who had helped Timothy along the way. 
again, we don't we don't have all that information. We don't know. But there was these people coming up, and they were starting to teach things that they uh, should not. And Paul is telling Timothy, you have to be the one to go and deal with this. You need to confront them. Uh, you need to make sure the church is is pure and on the on the path that needs to be on when it comes to the Word of God, and that's that's kind of uh, some of what Timothy is going to be about as we continue through the book of Timothy. Uh, anything else about Timothy in particular from you three? I can think of one thing I didn't mention, but uh, that maybe should be mentioned about Timothy. I said it in my sermon, but I didn't. He was half Greek, half Jewish. Yep. Yep, and that's important because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's the same with Titus, right? Titus was both half. Was half. He was a Gentile. Yeah, he was full. Titus, Titus was a full Gentile. Titus. Okay, yeah, yeah. But because he, because uh, Paul ends up having Timothy circumcised, mm-hmm. but not Titus. But yeah. not Titus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead. I'll say the youth should have known a lot of what you were saying uh, this Sunday, and I, I told them be prepared because that was. That was the uh, the passage that we studied in Acts this past Wednesday was Paul going to Lystra oh, okay. and finding Timothy. And mm-hmm. so we talked about Timothy, and mm-hmm. he said that he had a good reputation mm-hmm. among the churches there, which is probably one of the reasons why he stood out to Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, So you've got Timothy. He's got this great resume, but, but Paul still says you need to be circumcised. But that's interesting because what Paul was doing at that time was going through all the churches sharing the result of the Jerusalem council. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be circumcised. So why did he do mm-hmm. it to Timothy? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good discussion. My guess would be maybe because being that he was half Jewish, it would give him maybe some favor with the Jewish community to be circumcised. And, and you know, Paul says to, to, you know, to, you know, to the Greeks, I become a Greek to the Jews. I become a Jew. So maybe that was his reasoning. Like you should get circumcised because it will help you as a minister, mm-hmm. to make inroads, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gave him access, I think, mm-hmm. into the synagogue and stuff, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Being, I, don't, I don't know who did the checking of that back then. You know, <laughs> but, I, I wonder <laughs> that, too. I was like, who's going to know? Yeah. Huh. Right. yeah. Just tell something's different that's, about you. Uh, Spencer, no. do you know that? Yeah. You, no, that's... They have x-ray machines or, like, see-through <laughs> stuff or what? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> this is the time whenever you're quiet. Um, yeah. But the then, interesting... Yeah. I mean, the, w- this is something I brought up to the youth that the interesting thing is and you brought you did bring this out in your sermon is that when these were written timothy was probably in his early Mm mid-30s around that and so different scholars have different opinions of how old was timothy when paul first met him right he could have been like as young as 15 some scholars think he was already in his early 20s um but it's it's notable i think especially to the youth of our church that even at that time he had a good reputation of being a faithful believer, you know, at that time. And I'm sure Timothy possessed gifts that were useful to Paul on his journeys as well. But, you know, um, it's possible yeah. to have a, a good reputation even while you're young. Among yeah, people. and I'm thankful for those in our church who do. Yeah. You know, as you even thinking about Timothy and, and you talking now, just there are people who come to my mind, right? And it's mm-hmm. like that, that's, that's this, that's you, you yeah. know, and you are being faithful and, mm-hmm. and it's a benefit and it's beneficial. Uh, to the church, but the the struggle would be, you know, keep that up, right? Stay in the face, stay true to it, which is what Paul is constantly reminding Timothy of. I thought it was interesting in studying this that people, a lot of the commentators were saying Timothy must have had a, a disposition about himself that was either uh, more, uh, what is it, um, not liking confrontation. Timid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and that's why Paul was constantly having mm-hmm. to remind him, no, go 
do this, you know, do that, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good thing, I think, for people to hear because a lot of times when we see these men, like a Paul, mm-hmm. we're like, I could never be like Paul. He must have just like, the way I picture it sometimes is like he'd go to the synagogue, kick the door literally, like, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Let me tell you something, right? I mean, I know that's not how he was, but you just kind of get this of like they were extremely brave extremely sure in everything that they were saying. And so they wouldn't back down from anybody. Mm -hmm. But what we have is one of these first pastors of one of the main churches that we have information on in Ephesus seems to be a a timid person, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and doesn't seem to have it all together. Still young, still a young person, but Paul's encouraging him saying, no, you're where you need to be. Just keep being faithful, keep teaching this. And that's what you do, right? Be faithful in that. Uh, and that's, that'd be the same for, for us today or for a young person in their 20s or uh, youth. You know, it's like, yep, you're being faithful, but the hard part is keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. keep keep yeah. being on that uh, road that we're called to be on. Keep running in this race. Mm-hmm. Don't swerve. Yeah. That's how Paul would say it, right? Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Keep pushing forward mm-hmm. to the prize. And it's it's difficult to keep to keep doing that. And that's why, mm-hmm. that's why God has given us though, all these things to help us in that, right. Of, of having a church family, of being able to be under the word of God weekly. We have a Bible to be able to read. We have prayer here at the church. We have Wednesday nights. We have all this stuff that that's the purpose of it, is to help us stay focused on what are we doing mm-hmm. here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thankful though, that we have people in the church who continue to be faithful uh, even in the midst of, of difficulty. But anyway, so we have Timothy. We have Paul writing to Timothy. We've mentioned Timothy is in Ephesus as the as the pastor here. And as you get into the passage, um, right away in verse 3, Paul tells Timothy one of the reasons he's writing this letter. He says, I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths, endless genealogies, and to promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And so uh, Timothy is called to deal with false teachers. The way that I uh, did this in the message, and I I guess I should do it again, I stopped at the end of verse 4, but verse 5, verse 5, I said, gives us a little definition of a true teacher. He says, the aim of our charge is love. That issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And I think this could be taken one of two ways. It can be taken the true teacher to the congregation, but also this needed to be the attitude of Timothy towards those false teachers, mm-hmm. right? To still have a pure heart in this, I'm going to you for the right reasons, not because I don't like you. It's because what you're doing is wrong and it's harmful to the church and you need to hear this. And so out of a pure heart, out of truth, being able to have a clear conscience in what you're doing. But it's same for the true teacher, right? Um you guys got anything on, on that with verse 5? I, I talked about that uh, a bunch, about love from a pure heart, but also good conscience and a sincere faith for those who are going to be teachers of the of the Word of God. Anything from the three of you on that or no? You see, I'm the only one that fits that. I, I, so I understand why you guys don't that's, have that's, a thought. We're just junior staff <laughs> yeah, oh sitting at your feet. <laughs> Junior associates, uh, 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 junior associates, oh just kind of, we're like the Padawans, <laughs> learning. All right, you lost me, and this is why. Yeah, well, you don't know what a you're Padawan still a junior. is. Junior, no, this is why you're a junior. Yeah. Okay, Qui Gon. It was really sad last night. So I know he listens to this. Last night, I tried making two references to movies 
that Adam Kiersey did not understand. And one of them was to Star Trek. He <laughs> didn't. He does not a Trekkie, so he doesn't know. And then I tried making one to Star Wars, and they didn't know no. Star Wars either. And it was just really sad. <laughs> and I said, okay, what should I make a reference yeah. to? And he said, a baseball documentary? <laughs> I was like, I've watched one, yeah. and he hasn't seen that one. Which one? Ken Burns. Oh, yeah. Oh, baseball. that's a good one. He needs Ken to watch Burns it. is awesome. I told him, Adam, yeah. go watch it. Yeah, he needs to watch it. Um, Ken Burns. I'll watch anything by Ken Burns. Is that is that documentary bussin'? <laughs> I don't Maybe. know if Sam listens to this. Yeah. Sam, probably not. Well, so one thing I would help to get the young people involved. <laughs> one thought I had actually is I, I don't remember the the word um, the uh, the word for for um, the word pure in Greek, but I think it does have something to do with sincerity rather than like moral pure, you know, moral right. purity. No. Mm-hmm. So Paul, I think, is and not saying you need to you know really pull up your bootstraps and really get your act together right. and be no. perfect. It's more or less, you have to be sincere. And I think that's a really good distinction because I think oftentimes people think, oh, I got to really do these great things for God and I can't mess up or he's going to be upset. No, be sincere, you know, in what you do. Be faithful to what God has entrusted you to. And I think those words are very synonymous together in the sense of like, just continue to be faithful be sincere. It's not about perfection. It's not about getting everything right, dotting on your I's, crossing on your T's, you know, and I think that's an important even application for us, you know. Yeah, one of the biggest growths I've seen in my walk with the Lord is probably my prayer life in terms of that. It seems so little now for me to pray about I want this or I need this. Mm-hmm. Most of the time what I'm finding myself pray for is God, I really would want to I want to be sincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's my biggest struggle of too often I'm not. Mm. Too often I do stuff out of duty or because I know it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. but I can still sense that little twinge in my heart that's like, I'd much rather be doing something else. And it's like, I just wish that that would be gone. Now, I don't know if that ever will be gone, Mm. you know, because of sin, but that's what I wish would be gone. It's like, could I just wish I had such great compassion all the time for people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the willingness to do that, this and that. And. But I think that needs to be something of the one who's going to be a teacher mm-hmm. or the pastor mm-hmm. of a recognition, at least, of that in their in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be a constant prayer for us as leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's not a bad thing, though, for the rest of the church to be praying that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's help me have a pure heart. Help me to be sincere mm-hmm. in my faith. You know, not just to be trying to make it up, uh, but to be honest and, and true with God, but also with my fellow believers, fellow Christians and family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, cause that then when we're sincere and when we're honest and when we're true, it should be coming from the word of God. It should be coming from a changed heart, but then it, we're also being honest with people, you know, and, and then when we're honest with each other, we can actually bear each other's burdens. Mm. We can actually express joys together. Uh, but when we're not honest with each other, then we can never really have that real, mm-hmm. um, relationship mm-hmm. that we're supposed to have as a, as a church family. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think remember, I remember that in studying that, mm-hmm. um, the good connection between pure. That's why he ended with um, sincere. Mm-hmm. That it's it's all together mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, if you continue on going into verse six, certain persons by swerving from these, I'm guessing that the these there is the description that he just gave mm-hmm. of of what a good teacher is. That's how you end up. Going into the vain discussions, right? Making assertions, desiring to be uh, a teacher without understanding or things that they're making confident assertions about, right? And so it's just a reminder. It's, I mean, it's really hard. I know, um, 
I guess maybe for us, like in a way that like the rest of the congregation wouldn't like there's very, very clear practical applications for us as pastors, right? Since Paul's writing to a pastor in this instance, but that's just like you said, how am I going to make sure that I'm actually doing a good job as a pastor, as teacher in this instance of um, making sure that my heart is in the right place, right? That my motivation for why am I teaching what I'm teaching? Mm-hmm. Why am I trying to do this? Is it to make me look good? Is it to make myself feel good? Is it because I just like causing the controversy of it, right? Uh, or is it out of a, a sincere faith mm-hmm. and a heart of love for the people that are under my care, right? Right. So it says this love from a pure heart, which we know, again, only God can change a heart. I can't even force my heart to change. That's why I mentioned the prayer aspect. Mm-hmm. You've got to pray, God change my heart in this uh, because that's the only way that that's going to be done but it says it out of good conscience and sincere faith and what i brought up there was the only way to have a good conscience with sincere faith as a teacher of the word of god is to only teach the word of god and Mm -hmm. not to twist it and that's that's what he's talking about with the false teachers right they're going into these genealogies they're going into these different things myths they're going into speculation and that's not what we're supposed to you can't have a good conscience with that as a teacher, the only way I can have a good conscience is if I'm taking a passage, reading the passage to everybody, and expounding on the passage from the Word, and even giving the opportunity to be questioned right, by the congregations. Like, you guys can read this. Look at what it says. Mm-hmm. Now, there might be some extra study that goes on that's like, like, like I know, Dave, you like the languages and stuff, so... Mm-hmm. You know, this is the this is the word here, and that stuff is always very helpful, mm-hmm. right? But and then our job sometimes is to connect it with other passages. Like this is very similar to mm-hmm. this, you know, here, and, yeah. and we need to. Or when a passage is difficult to understand, you have to interpret it with other passages in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? You say, well, we know it can't mean this because of this passage here, right? We know it can't mean this because of this passage. So how does this melt together, right? And we talk about these things, and that's not what the false teachers it seems were doing Mm -hmm. they were going into speculation maybe not even saying stuff that was wrong it just couldn't necessarily be proven right or wrong you know and it was leading to disruptions and sadly that's often then what leads to heresy Mm -hmm. uh, which leads to a lot of problem which spencer kind of talked about sunday night uh that because john was writing you said Mm -hmm. to the ephesians church as well Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. And dealing with some issues of um, the resurrection, didn't you mention that? Well, Jesus being in the flesh, being in the flesh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which then just leads to heretical stuff when we start to speculate <clears throat> on mm-hmm. these things. <clears throat> and so that's why I think we think as a staff, it's so important to preach sermons uh, that are expositional. And what I mean by that is like what we're going to try to do here with Timothy. Mm-hmm. Open your book to Timothy. We're in chapter one. Let's see how far we get today. Okay. We get the love verses next week. We're going to start at 12 and we're going to see how far we get that day. And we're going to work our way through these books and trying to do it though, in a way that is honest and real of good study of like not. So it's the uh, doing exegesis versus eisegesis, which is exegesis is pulling out what is true there mm-hmm. in the passage. Eisegesis is, I have a thought. Mm-hmm. I think I can fit it into this passage and prove my thought mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. No, you come to it kind of blank. Here's what it says. Um, here, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then trust God to work in it. Yeah. yeah, Christianity is built upon things that we, is 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 meant to produce confidence. 
And these things that the Paul contrasts their endless genealogies and myths with the stewardship from God that is by faith. So what comes from God by faith is that which is, um, well, faith has the idea of, of simply saying amen. It actually, uh, the, 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 the Hebrew idea actually is of, of sureness, mm-hmm. of yeah. certainty, of firmness. Confidence, yeah. And so um, it, it actually, so our faith is not meant to produce um, speculations in the sense of things that are not sure or clear or are uncertain. But Christianity is to be founded upon things that we can be confident in. And so whenever we, as pastors or as a church, if we're founded upon things that are, you know, you can kind of take this passage, but also see um, elsewhere, like, you know, in chapter four, we see that these people are um, forbidding, they've created a new law. They've forbidden certain foods, and it says their consciences are seared. So they don't have a good conscience. Their consciences are seared. So they forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods. So they're making up new laws that we're not even sure. They're not even found in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later on, he says they have an unhealthy craving for controversy. They're puffed up with conceit. So their whole religion is one of uncertainty and fighting and quarreling because there's nothing to be confident about. There's only stuff to be frictioned Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And that's, Paul is saying, that's not Christianity. That's not what the gospel is of Christ. Um, And so... Um, we want to be a church that preaches the things that we can be confident in and that will produce real Christians are produced whenever uh, they can be confident in Jesus Christ and then confident of what it looks like to walk in the way that he walked in his commands as a, as a, as a Christian in love. Mm-hmm. So when you can preach those two things with, with great clarity, which the Bible's overwhelmingly clear about those things, that's, that's what the meat and potatoes of Christian preaching and teaching should be. Not these other things that are, are really, they don't, they don't produce any, they don't edify at all. And that's really where Paul is just kind of like just taking them and just throwing them to a side. He's almost like really disrespecting them by just saying these endless genealogies, just get rid of all that stuff. Yeah, he never really brings up what's going on. And the com- a lot of the commentators said that was Paul's way of dismissing it. It's like he never says, this is what they're saying. This is how to deal with it. Right. It's just saying all these silly myths and stuff. Don't, don't do that. Right. You know, right. Ty- type of thing. Um, now, how do you guys see that happening today? Um, endless genealogies, myths, speculation. Um, do you see that, I guess, first of all, playing out in the church today? Not our specifically necessarily, but in the church today. And if so, what do you think are some common ways people get lost in uh, in those types of teachings? Why are you laughing at me? Because I think it, <laughs> I mean, what people think about Israel, you know, yeah. and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. of like Israel's place in the world today. And that gets into the end time stuff with, that you mentioned mm-hmm you know, in your sermon, but I mean, a lot of people put a lot of thought into that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain, there's certain TV preachers where anytime I would just be flipping through the channels and turn it on, that seems like what they were talking about every single time as if it's all that's there. Right. 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 Uh, so, I mean, that would be, that'd be one example. Yeah. Eschatology is definitely yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, <clears throat> another thing that came to my mind was you mentioned numerology, but um, is it the anagram thing? 
Enneagram. 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 Personality discs. And that comes around in Christianity every few years. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't produce the stewardship from God that's by faith. (laughs) Right. Similar to that, I think, and it might even be the same thing, just repackaged as the Enneagram, are like spiritual gifts. Right. The spiritual Mm -hmm. gift test. It's like, now, I mean, the, the hard thing about all that is, are spiritual gifts real? Yeah. Yeah. They're there. But it's not the highlight you know, right. it's not the it's not the centerpiece sure. of everything that's there, but I think that that happens at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I definitely think those things can happen. I think, uh, yeah, there's any number, and this really any kind of preaching ultimately that is not grounded upon the Word of God, which is where we get confidence from, is falls under this, and that can be. You know, I had a friend in a seminary who's from a, uh, another country, but he talked about how his pastor would get up and, you know, just get up and give a talk about, yeah, I went to the paint store this past week and like his whole sermon. And this was in a, this was a big church would just be all about his visit to the paint store. Or if certain famous pastors give you a talk about the, their diet plan and they walk you through it. Well, they might have some good ideas about the diet, but that's not what the stewardship of God is for, by faith. That's not what we're supposed to be confident in. Um, you could put all those pounds right back on. So as my faith, you know, like that's not what we're supposed to do here. It's nonsense. And, um, and so anyway, I just think, think, I think we look at passages like Paul talking. Uh, I think Paul does this, but also in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews does this too, of like, you guys need to move on from milk and get to meat. Mm -hmm. Right. And sadly, the ironic thing is people interpret meat as Israel numerology endless genealogies, yeah, endless yeah. genealogies. Yeah. Yeah. and it's like yeah. no that's not what's being talked about right you're actually still acting like a baby mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. with that because what you what you need are is to understand the gospel better mm-hmm. is to hear it again and again mm-hmm. and again um so that you can persevere right mm-hmm. you need to understand better the law and what it's for mm-hmm. right that's why he tells Timothy the law is for lawbreakers because mm-hmm. these people weren't acting that way that the law was going to save them if you obey the law and, and Paul's like the law is for lawbreakers mm-hmm. right um, and so he's trying to fix their view of this and too often I think people try to run these rabbit trails of all this other stuff which don't get me wrong it's not it is not a bad thing to know about eschatology mm-hmm. and to study that. Because even Jesus himself said, see the times, right? Mm-hmm. This is the stuff that's going to happen. There's There are these things that we should know, and it's in Scripture. So we should know it. Uh, but he also says stuff like, nobody knows the time. I can't tell you how many good Christian people I know who think they know the time. They'll yeah. tell me, oh, yeah. oh, I don't know the time, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be in March. <laughs> I'm like, what? why are you even spending time on that? It, that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? That's not a big deal. Um and so, yes, as we preach and teach as as teachers, I think it's our job to stay to stay center. Uh, and that's why I talked about what Alistair Begg says all the time about keeping the things that are main, mm-hmm. main and the plain things, the plain things, right? And let's just focus. Mm-hmm. Let's put most of our attention on those things. You know, mm-hmm. if, if there's these great truths of Scripture that are just foundational and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt these are true there's not much argumentation you mm-hmm. know going on about that if this is what we stand on why would we not spend 97 percent of our time on those things like let's spend all most of our time on those things now these other things let's we can talk about them and we can have good conversations but again what i found and usually what proves to me that people 
aren't centered right is when we start talking about eschatology or we start talking another big one is Calvinism, Arminianism. Mm -hmm. People start fighting about that stuff as if that's what the battle is. And it's like, this isn't really the battle. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing to know. But what I see is when people can't have like a a good discussion about that and leave together, Mm -hmm. it's like, you shouldn't be having this discussion Mm -hmm. then at all. You're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. You're, you need to go back to the main and plain things, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're, you're like these people who obviously are just leaving with speculation and frustration. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing here. If we're having a Bible study that every night leads to frustration, we we, we shouldn't be doing this Bible study. Now, now there's a difference there. There could be frustration where I leave the Bible study because I'm guilty. Like something has been brought up and I feel God saying, Mm. Tim, you're a sinner Mm. and I'm leaving frustrated Right, that's different. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm frustrated at my brothers and sisters constantly because they just too dumb to get it, they don't understand. Obviously, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Right, I have a problem in my heart, and mm-hmm. I'm maybe maybe I've I've been spending too much time on stuff I I shouldn't be spending too much time on. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and th- I think that's what's happening here. And and Paul is telling Timothy, don't get lost in the genealogies, don't get lost into the myths and to the speculation. Focus on. The, the true. And to think that our church could be void of that is silly because these churches were so brand new. The faith was so brand new. It, it, it seems as if there already was a really set standard of truths for Christians out there, like of teachings. Yeah, it's, it says that, right? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he says the the mystery of godliness is he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And that's in uh, two Timothy three sixteen. Yeah, and which so, is actually him or one Timothy three sixteen. Yeah, yeah, they, they would yeah. sing that. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Anyway. And so they already had this set of beliefs and doctrine, right? That's like this is what we teach and preach, and already it's like eh. I might, I want to go on to something else. Well, and I think that's mm-hmm. what's so important yeah. too is is that whenever you go after these genealogies and these other things, then you've you you start to then the 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 most important things are then by that um um they're they're moved down in importance where Paul right after this is going to go to the really important thing, which is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Mm-hmm. He's going to say that's the central thing. Right. Not all this other stuff. This is what's most important. Yeah, I was going to say there's what ends up happening is you lose focus on mm-hmm. what's worth fighting about and what's worth leaving alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because the reality is there are times when you do need to fight. Like we're going to have to fight to protect something, mm-hmm. right? Like the way Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, which mm-hmm. you referenced, you know, Tim, which is kind of different than here, but uh, you kind of lose focus of what is worth fighting about and what's worth just letting go and leaving alone and not bothering, you know? Yeah. And I think as churches and that's, and see in Timothy, we're going to get to leaders and, and how the church should choose elders and deacons and things like that. It's very important because there are things today that we need to fight and things that we don't need to fight. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's truths that are entering churches that we must stand against. So things like uh, homosexuality, Right, we would take a stance saying, "This isn't something like a a myth or something that we could just kind of pass on and be like, no big deal." Mm-hmm. We need to take a stand on this. We would take a hard stand on that. Mm-hmm. In the Southern Baptist Convention right now, the big question is women and pastoring. We need to take a stand on that. We mm-hmm. think that this is a this is an important thing, uh, and so it's not just something you can kind of push under the rug and say, oh, "We're just not gonna 
we're not going to take a stand. No, it's worth taking a stand for that as well, right? To say it's true to scripture or the atonement or all these other things we could talk about. But there's some things where it's like, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't think we have to fight this battle. Like mm-hmm. a, if that's your thing, keep it your thing, but we don't need to see it yeah. uh, mm-hmm. spreading here. I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head and I can't right now, but sure. Can you think of anything? Um, I mean, <laughs> sorry, put you on the spot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, there would be the, uh, in in certain uh, Calvinistic circles, it would be infralapsarianism versus supralapsarianism. Nice. All right, everybody pause the podcast. That was pause. Awesome. Go Google those words. Yeah. That was and good. So, uh, that was good. Yeah, which has, yeah, which you can go look those up and uh, you realize that that is, uh, there are, that is, you can, you can, you can draw your own opinion if you want to on that. Um but yeah, you, but there are certain <laughs> things. But there are certain things where you would disassociate. Sure. So mm-hmm. we have we could get into this conversation, right? We have denominations for a reason, right? Uh, Scott just taught a Sunday school class uh, this week on baptism. There's a reason the Baptists are denominations because we don't agree with baptism with Presbyterians or with Catholics and with Lutherans. There's other ones, and there's a reason why we split off that. It was a big enough deal, and that's okay. But that doesn't even mean that we would never talk to a Lutheran. Right. Or a Presbyterian, right. or or align with them, even for certain things, we we would have the ability to do that. But there's, but we still had to put our foot down. It's like, but we we're not going to be able to worship together on a weekly basis because when I talk to somebody about the gospel and they say, now what am I say? I'd say, now get baptized. Where uh, at the Presbyterian church, they're going to teach something different mm-hmm. at a time, right? So that that's good enough for us to leave. Still, brothers and sisters in the Lord, still love you, right? But there's other things that are happening in denominations right now where we would say because you're taking this stand we are questioning your faith mm-hmm. and we're not going to align with you mm-hmm. at all ever like complete separation right and we see that with uh with the homosexuality with some other with some mm-hmm. other issues where it's mm-hmm. like we need to we have to take a stand here because this is too big of a deal mm-hmm. right and that's where you need trained teachers and preachers who are studying this and praying through this and caring about this to help to help in those uh, battles. And that's why that's why I mentioned it's going to talk about how to pick pastors and stuff. You need to do a good job in doing that mm-hmm. of who's going to get this title, right? And so, I, again, I don't know what happened in this church, but I see this happen. I've seen this happen in this church. I've seen it happen in other churches. Some 20-something-year-old comes to the Lord, seems to be seems to be doing pretty good, and right away you let him go teach a Bible study. That's a bad idea. Yeah. But you give them this title of teacher, and now people are sitting under them as teacher, and they slowly drift away into some meaning, some genealogies and myths or or carrying some other banner of something they're frustrated about. And it's like, oh, now you just dug yourself a hole because you didn't do a good job of picking who was going to be the teachers and leaders mm-hmm. of the church, right? Now you're in more trouble. Um, and so we see an importance of who is teaching. And Paul's kind of telling Timothy here, I've set you up to teach, to be the teacher, and you need to go confront these who are not doing it well and doing it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's important. You know, and even as even as pastors here, we've we've sensed that time. I, I think you guys would say this. It was more so before, but a little less now. But I would have people like, I want to start a, a Bible study for the church, you know, and it'd be like, Well, okay, um, can I help you with like the uh, what you're gonna teach? No. Well, then it can't be a Bible study endorsed by MMBC. Well, why? You don't trust me? I was like, well, it's kind of my job to do that, to the teaching part. 
I'm happy to let you teach, but I need to know what you're teaching mm-hmm. if it's going to be endorsed by this church because that's actually the task that's been given to me, mm-hmm. right, is to make sure what's being taught is right and well. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm going to sit in on your class all the time, but I do want to know the material you're using, mm-hmm. right? I want to know what you're studying and how you're getting to your conclusions. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, that's another sign is when people have a problem with that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean? That's the order of the church that's been given to us. I'm I'm the teacher who's supposed to be making sure what's being taught as well. Mm-hmm. And you're fighting yeah. against this. Well, that, that goes again, too, to... Mm-hmm the sermon on Sunday night, but where John says the, 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 he describes the local church as the elect lady with her children, where as a child, I'm supposed to at least respect my mother and listen to her. And as the, the church as a whole is like a mother that's intended to, um, keep watch over us, including, and especially the teaching, mm-hmm. um, that we confess and preach and teach here. <clears throat> and so it's the, it's the whole church's job, um, to hold each other accountable. One of the ways the church as a whole is able to do that is by electing pastors to keep a special eye on that. Now they can fire us. You know, yeah. the church can also say, yeah. you're not doing the job. We think they should be allowed to do that Bible study. Uh, nope. You're, you're out of it. And that they can do that. That's right. But in so, but the church also has given, um, has, has recognized the call of God who has put pastors in local gatherings, local congregations, local churches, um, with that special focus to, to keep an eye on that for the sake of the whole body. Um, so you, yeah, it's a whole body thing. And the truth is right now, you know, if I could get a big Sharpie marker and they were, and I was told, here's your task. I need you to get rid of all Christian material. That's bad. I'm trying to think of what the percentage of that would be of all Christian material. I'd probably get rid of 85% of Christian material. Almost that like, low. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not our, I'm trying to think all history. Oh, all history, not just our church. I was like, really? No. <laughs> we're in the room with all our Sunday school stuff. Like, I get rid of most I of that. Thought, <laughs> I thought we were doing a pretty good job. Yeah, no. no, but you know, I just think like if I go to Ollie's, Ollie's always has a bunch of books and yeah. they always have like a big Christian section. I think I've... There's the occasional good thing. I, I found yeah, a couple... Tony Dungy stuff. You know? <laughs> Tony Dungy. <laughs> I found a couple good things in there, you know, or like Walmart have their, their Christian books. Never really seen anything worth much in there. Girl, wash your face. You know, they might have the occasional biography. Yeah, Tim did have that. I did in my box up there. Someone gave it to me. It's a classic Christian devotional classic. It was being passed around in the office. (laughs) But like Scott said, you know, on TV, I'm going to get rid of most of the, if not all of Christian TV, Mm -hmm. um, radio. Personally, I'm going to get rid of a lot of that. Uh, I'm going to keep, you know, and I I don't say that to be like, because all those people are dumb. I think some of those people have sincere hearts, but I think they would fall under what Paul's warning Timothy here is, but they're false teachers. They're swaying. They're going to the side and it's not edifying and it's actually not not good. And sadly what we see a lot of the teaching today that's in their books and stuff that's coming out is too me-centered and not enough God-centered. But it caters to our society. It caters to me because that's what I care about is is me right the most and again it's just having to be careful and i've sadly had to counsel too many people where you find out where are you getting this information and you start talking to them you're like oh okay and then you talk them through it a little bit and this has just been my experience oftentimes quickly they realize how dumb of that information was i mean seriously they you point it up to some scripture and they're like really it's like yeah this is actually what we're supposed to be doing or what the bible says huh that's not what I heard from them, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, 
Mm. It's not. And it's my job to help guard that from you, you know. And so we want to be faithful in standing up to false teachers, uh, false preachers, and to use Scripture accordingly and how it should be. And that's what Paul went to at the end, verses 8 through 11, is saying, of using the law properly, where he says the law is for, he says, now we know that the law is good. So he's not saying it's bad. The law is a good thing if one uses it lawfully. So it seems as if these false teachers were taking the law, but they were using it poorly. And he says, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless. And he goes on for the disobedient. He mentions all kinds of sins, which I think uh, George Knight hit on something of talking about how it correlated with. uh, That's good with the 10 commandments. I didn't go into all that he did because he, he takes like unholy, all these different ones and lines them up with mm-hmm. certain ones, which was, which is fine. But again, that kind of would lead to speculation. I thought that yeah. I was just talking about, <laughs> that That's was good funny. speculation. Good. Here's an application of what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit, but um, for sure the ones line up perfectly with the 10 commandments. And that's why I think he then goes from there and works backwards. Says mm-hmm. It makes sense that it would be all the 10 commandments. Um, but this press to say, you know, keep doing this. He says, whatever is contrary to sound doctrine, in verse 11, in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And he's, again, the law is good. He's saying this law is good. It just needs to be taught right mm-hmm. of its purpose and what it's for. And so I talked a little bit about that, about the, the threefold use of the law. That's a common expression in Christian faith that people would, yeah. would hear. And so um, talking so it, about that. Yeah, and that's actually an expression that has been under attack in the past, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, probably. How? how? <clears throat> People attack that. That's been the historical way Christians right. have divvied up the the law of God, understanding it. And um, well, and also that's the, th- I shouldn't say that. That's the threefold use. I was, I was talking about the threefold division. Um, so scratch that thought. <laughs> Keep going on, Tim. Persevere. Yeah. Faithful. There's a threefold use and there's a threefold division. Okay, what's the three? So the threefold use is the law shows us our sinfulness, the civil use of the law um, to punish it, and then the law for us as believers to live in good works. To live and do good works. Yeah, and the the threefold division I was thinking of. The moral. So it is moral, civil, civil. ceremonial. Mm -hmm. Ceremonial. So what's the fight now of the moral, civil, ceremonial? Just uh, what we should still be doing and what we shouldn't? Yeah, some people say there's no division. Right. Yeah, Rachel held Evans. She say that. Well, she well she's passed away now. Yeah, they're like. But hey, she you she's don't the one shellfish. who she's the one who wrote the book. She lived uh, for so many months oh, according yeah. to yeah yeah oh the uh, the, the Jewish law, law. the Jewish yeah. law mm-hmm. yeah and she became yeah. quite progressive and yeah are those are those not connected? I mean, they seem to follow the same divisions yeah. essentially. Well, they're different. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. why I shouldn't have brought it up. But you did. <laughs> but I did. You so opened the can of worms. Yeah, I opened the can we of worms. Go this would be now. a great... There's actually a whole book I've got in my office written about this, about the threefold division. Um, and that's more pl- applicable to the um, the Mosaic law. Having the, the moral law would be the Ten Commandments. Ceremonial but, law would be the sacrifices. Civil law would be things that were specifically related to Old Testament Israel as a state, their governmental state. So yeah. some people today would be... They call themselves... Um, theonomous and their argument is that you that that we don't do the ceremonial law but the civil law of israel still has applicable it still has a uh, is still binding in some way upon us mm-hmm. so for instance i don't know and there's all sorts of degrees of these people but some would say just that you know i guess it would be possible that you could stone your kid 
for being disobedient to you still today. I want to. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm interested in this. I would like to watch this because I bet Nolan could also throw a rock back at Scott. Probably. (laughs) I got a good one. Hit Scott first. (laughs) But uh, him and Thomas might gang up on me. Oh, there you go. But uh, anyway, sorry about that. No, that's a good thing to talk about, honestly, because I've had that question. I remember with the youth, they would have this question, but I've heard it with adults plenty too. It's like. Why is it that like the Ten Commandments we would still look at, but right. but yeah these these laws like you said about stoning your children yeah. or you know women at certain times of the month and all this different stuff? Why do we not why do we not hold to that? But that is yeah. that yeah. is important even to what we're talking about here yeah. because we do want to use the law properly. Right. You right. have to yeah you have to understand yeah yeah and that's that is what happens when people go to the Old Testament for instance and they don't they don't they don't use the church's historic understanding of how to break this up. Mm-hmm. You just start going and making stuff up. I heard it was on a podcast that we both listened to, but he said that I've told, he told his son that if we were in the old Testament, I'd have a wore out arm. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, his relationship with his son apparently was a little rough at some times. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway, but it's a good thing to know. Like that's yeah. something worth studying. It's worth something teaching about. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad you bring it up yeah. there, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't categorize that as like an endless genealogy. No, that's a, a necessary myth, thing. Right? That's it's like a necessary thing. Yeah. It's something that you need to know. Mm-hmm. It's a genuine question. And honestly, I think one of the reasons that a lot of times youth are the ones with that question is because they're the ones hearing that objection yeah. from their friends mm-hmm. and on social right. media mm-hmm. and at school. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's like I had a teacher that threw those things in my face mm-hmm. when I was right. in school. Mm-hmm. I knew, I remember that, you know, and like you're sitting there like a student, you're just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Right. Right. And well, and one of the big arguments you could point to is the only law God explicitly speaks to the whole country is the 10 commandments. The rest of it is mediated through Moses, mm. which is a one which highlights right away. The 10 commandments have a unique role here in the law of Israel. That's why we would also highlight their, the, the moral law. They're binding upon all nations at all times. There may be sp- certain applications to them for Israel at that certain time and space, but the 10 commandments as a whole are still applicable for they, yeah, as, as the law of God for people before and after they were given uh, mm-hmm. for us today. And so you kind of see that even here in first Timothy, like you said, Paul lays down the 10 commandments, uh, applies the law to us um, today. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to going through uh, these books. I, I hope you do as well. I think Paul in the next section that we'll look at probably verses 12 through 17, um, talks a little bit about it, like a kind of a little biography about himself. Look forward to studying that this week, being able to preach it uh, this coming week. But um, hopefully we'll see you this this coming Sunday. And like I said, if you want to study ahead, uh, you could read First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I'm guessing that's where I will be this week. Um, but like I said, look forward to seeing you uh, this coming Sunday. Until then, we hope that you have a great week. God bless.